Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today, we're going to talk some USC football, of course. That's what we do on the Peristyle Podcast with Dan Weber. We're going to talk about uh, what's been going on in summer workouts. One summer workout left. They'll be doing one on Friday and then a little time off. Fall camp starts next Thursday, so nine days from today, I believe, is the count. Crazy how quickly it is coming up, and you guys have sent in a ton of questions. We did three podcasts last week. And you've already sent in a whole bunch more questions, so we're going to have Dan try to get to each and every one of those talking about this USC football team. Of course, if you want to email us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, so you can leave us a voicemail. We're going to play a couple of those for you today. Call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. And you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device if you want to subscribe. iTunes is a great way. iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. We're also on Google Play. If you got the Android like I do, go to Google Play, search for Peristyle Podcast. We're on Stitcher Radio. Search for us there. Audio Boom. Lots of different ways to consume the show. All right. Without further ado, I want to bring in Dan Weber. Uh, I've been putting up columns this week. Lots of stuff going on. What's going on, Dan? How are you? Uh, you're right. I'm... That nine days is, uh, it's kind of amazing. Boy, it just can't get here soon enough. But, uh, so, uh, it's actually, it's gotten there a little quicker, I think, than, than maybe, you know, it seemed like it was going to, but, you know, they're, they're moving on. Yeah. Summer went pretty quick. You know, June, we weren't able to talk to the players. We got, you know, highlights and photos and kind of insights up. And then in July, we've been able to, you know, Get the insights from the players. Definitely check out uscfootball.com right now. Uh, Keely has a nice one-on-one interview with Sam Darnold, who, of course, is in a quarterback battle with uh, Max Brown. But we have did a lot of stuff from from the summer. But, yeah, then, all, you know, as soon as you turn around, like, 4th of July is gone. And then, uh, you know, here the, you know, last week and a half or so before fall camp, they really just have this one workout left. Usually they work out on Tuesday mornings, but they told us they were taking this Tuesday off. Some players were back home visiting Friends and family, coaches are kind of coming back from vacation. They'll do one last workout uh, on Friday, and then that'll be the last one before actual camp starts, and uh, we're rolling in pads and numbers and helmets. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, this is, and, you know, it's just so fortunate to get the kind of start they do. I know people think, oh, gosh, they're going to, you know, play Alabama and Texas, but uh, I just think it doesn't get any better than that. That just takes you back to, you know, that's how it used to be. And, um, if you, uh, if you, you know, you get it right, you get yourself back in the, in, in gear and all of that, you're back in the mix. I mean, uh, USC's got that chance with that game and then two weeks later going to Stanford and, uh, six days after that going to Utah. I mean, if they've got it ready to go, uh, it won't be any, you know, having to debate whether USC his back or belongs or whatever, uh, you'll know. And so, uh, it's a great opportunity. And I think that's how the kids are looking at it. You know, they're just looking at it as, boy, we've been given, you know, a chance to, if we do it right, we'll get ourselves back, uh, we'll get to, you know, show people. So, uh, it's just a, 
you know, wonderful way to start the season. Yeah, it's, uh, it's everything seems to be rolling. We'll see. I mean, obviously, when September comes around, games and scoreboards and all that kind of stuff means more. And but yeah, but we'll see. It seems like they're doing all the right things right now. We'll keep you up to date, of course, with all of our coverage on uscfootball.com. And I want to get to all the questions because we have a whole bunch, a lot of different topics on USC football today. Uh, but I want to talk about our sponsor. I want to thank them. Uh, so Mac Weldon's been really good to us. Mac Weldon. You can go to MacWeldon.com and uh, check us out. They've been sponsoring the show over the past couple of months, and it's been really nice, uh, a nice partnership with them. So they're doing a 20% off code if you use the you know, the code Peristyle, promo code Peristyle, at MacWeldon.com. They'll hook you up. And uh, it's funny. So it's uh, you know, so they have men's products. Um, I really like the underwear and the socks. I wouldn't use those when I went on vacation. I, I kind of find myself making sure the laundry was done before I left because I wanted to get, you know, the, the certain underwear and socks that I bought from Mac Weldon included just because they're so comfortable. And I, I found myself doing that this morning when I got dressed, I was going to go work out later on today. I was like, I want to make sure I have the, the boxer briefs because I really like working out in those, but they're really comfortable. If you want to check them out, I always used to just go to uh, department stores and, and buy, you know, the packages of 10 or whatever, five in a package. And, I uh, didn't really kind of know what I was missing. So if you want to try it out, there it's a nice opportunity. You get 20% off if you use the code Peristyle. So MacWeldon.com. It's real easy to shop there. So I went on the website again this morning. Check out some of the different products and uh, check it out for sure. I I really do like the boxer briefs. I wear those a lot. And the socks that just kind of stay there. They don't move at all. Uh, but to work out, I play volleyball in them and stuff. It's been a great it's been great for me. So I need to, to actually get a few more. I still have a lot of uh, older <laughs> pieces I need to remove from the collection. But the, the one one you want to check out, too, is the silver underwear and shirts that they have. So they're naturally uh, antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. So those are that's a cool one to kind of check out, too. But it's it's real easy. It's definitely better than the stuff you're wearing right now. MacWellen.com. Use the code Peristyle, and you'll get 20% off. So check them out. And if you've tried them out, um, I've had a couple people email me. But, try, you know, drop me an email. Let me know. Uh, if you like it, because it's definitely a product that I've, I never, you know, I hadn't heard of them. You know, I, I tried them out and stuff and it was great for me. So hopefully it's great for you as well. Um, so check that stuff. Dan, we got to get you some too. Great. I, I'm a boxer brief guy. That's for sure. Nice. So, uh, it makes a lot, make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I, I do remember, I think I bought so many when they, you know, started coming out. I just thought this is the best, thing. you know, by far nothing else makes this, but you're right. You have to kind of, Thin out your uh, your uh, drawer and uh, move in the, the Mac Weldon stuff because when you look, you just look at their website, look at their selection. They they really do have great stuff. It yeah. just uh, it looks like you know just terrific quality. Yeah, so definitely check it out. MacWeldon.com. The uh, Peristyle uh, is the code for twenty percent off. All right, well let's um want to jump in. We have a couple of voicemail questions. I think I'm going to play this one for you first because I was actually watching. Uh, Big Ten Media Days and, and got to hear uh, Jim Delaney speak. And um, uh, I forget the name of the guys, the head of the, the Big Ten networks and how well they do stuff there. Um, just kind of comparing what we're seeing in the Pac-12. So I think I'll start off with some uh, conference discussion because it's been such a very popular topic on Twitter and uh, on the message boards and everything. So I'm going to play this one for you, Dan, and then we can kind of discuss it. Hi, Ryan. My name is Josh Arena. Hailing from Buckeye Country, Columbus, Ohio. Of course, fight on every day, all day. But my question for you is, is it possible that USC could uh, venture outside of the Pac-12 and possibly join the Big 12, maybe with another to-be-unnamed California school from Los Angeles? Um, 
how would it also benefit the Trojans at the program? Um, and how would it just overall make things better? Could possibly playing Texas and the Sooners be better than facing week in and out, you know, Stanford and Oregon and so forth? And would it also help cast USC into the limelight on the here out here on the East Coast? Thank you very much, and fight on. Hey, Josh, that's good to hear from you. Um, <clears throat> you know, it would seem that if USC makes any kind of move, they it wouldn't be something you'd want to make by yourself. I mean, I, I just think, I was listening to, gosh, who was it, talking <clears throat> on uh, Mike and Mike this morning, and they had, um, boom, 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 who was Dabo Sweeney the other day, who was today, uh, can't even remember one of the ACC coaches. And it's just a given. Everybody says things like, well, when we get to the four, oh, I guess they were talking about Notre Dame. And they mentioned, well, when we get to the four super conferences, you know, the four 16-team conferences that are going to, you know, basically be your 64, you know, your power five conference schools in four conferences. Uh, and I don't think there's anyone who doesn't assume that that's the way college football is going to shake out for 16-team super conferences. Now, it wouldn't be a bad idea, I think, for USC to explore all the possibilities and the ways of doing that. You know, is that uh, bringing, you know, some of the uh, uh, Big 12 teams, you know, this way? Is it, I mean, the ideal thing, I think, would be uh, a Western division of a kind of combined Big 12, Pac-12, where maybe you take eight of the Pac-12 schools and eight of the Big 12 schools, and you have an Eastern division and a Western division where, you know, you might not be playing Oklahoma and Texas every year, but in a championship game, you've got a USC-Texas or USC-Oklahoma matchup. Uh, winner goes on to the playoffs. Although by then, my guess might is that maybe if you get when you by the time you have the four 16 team super conferences you're also maybe going to have an eight team playoff uh just a guess but uh in effect the championship game in each I, mean, I guess you could do it that way the championship game in each conference becomes the first round of the playoffs uh, which in effect it would be but i just think i think USC has to be exploring all those possibilities and I think they have to do it in a way where they make it clear they're really not happy with the direction of the Pac-12. I will guarantee you, for example, the two people that Ryan you saw on the Big Ten Network were doing a far more productive job with 60 million homes compared to the Pac-12's 12. Or, you know, no uh, late-night games, no weekend games, all that kind of stuff. And, and generating, you know, five to eight, eight times as much income for the schools. And I'll guarantee you, Commissioner De- Delaney and the head of the PAC, or the Big 12, or Big 10 network, excuse me, are making considerably less money than their comparable people at the PAC 12. It's just, it's just crazy that the way the PAC 12 has gone off the rails. I mean, just the idea of, we talked about this last week, having your TV st- studios in San Francisco instead of in LA. And it's just, that's nuts. No one would do that. I mean, that makes no 
sense at all. It's just those kinds of decisions uh, that make no sense. The idea that we're going to go it alone. The ACC now uh, is going with ESPN, and, and, you know, they spent all week, at, you know, in Bristol with their coaches, and they're going to make more money immediately without even going on the air this year with just a digital network. Uh, you know, that uh, the Big Ten went with Fox, the uh, SEC went e- ESPN, and they're all, you know, doing well, way, way better. And the Pac-12 said, no, we'll go it alone. And it's just terrible decisions that uh, that I, I'd really like to see Lynn Swan make that kind of a crusade to get that whole thing right. And so whatever it takes, and whether that's figuring out, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma, well, what's the best thing to do here? My guess is if USC decided to say, oh, we're going to jump to the Big 12, you couldn't get UCLA to leave Los Angeles if their lives depended on it. I mean, there's no way because then they'd say, ooh, L.A. is all ours at this point or whatever. So uh, I think you'd have to have, you know, your ducks all in a row with, you know, Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA. I think there'd have to be, you know, kind of strength in, in numbers rather than, than USC going it alone. There, you know, you hate to say this, but there's really only one Notre Dame. And uh, other than Notre Dame, I'm not sure anybody else can pull that off. Um, so, anyway, I just think we are, I don't know that there are answers, but I think USC should be asking all the right questions and making it obvious that they are asking those questions. Uh, so, yeah, that's where I am right now. You actually hit on a whole bunch of points that we have um, questions on. So I'll, I'll I'll try to go through these, but we can discuss them in a little more detail. Eric at Duck Country, this is a really hot topic for him. He wrote in a couple times, but his first one is, what on earth could Lynn Swan be working on other than a better deal with the Pac-12 network? Aren't the finances of the department the most important duty of the AD position? Tens of millions of dollars certainly could not be ignored or put off to be addressed later. Uh, is a Big 12 threat or going independent a pipe dream, or could that really happen? With extra money, uh, maybe they could start that softball team Dan wants so badly. Thanks, <laughs> Eric and Duck Country. Yeah, Eric. You know, I mean, I do think there, you know, one of the things that has to happen in the Pac-12 is the athletic directors have to get the ear of their presidents. Uh, it doesn't look like the presidents have been listening to the athletic directors, who, from what I understand, are not at all pleased with the uh, the leadership in the Pac-12. And I don't know that the presidents have yet to uh, maybe spend more time listening to their athletic directors than they have listening to Larry Scott. And I think so. If, if I'm Lynn Swan, that's one of the first things I want to do is make sure Max Nikias understands uh, what the potential, you know, what the loss of revenue is, uh, how it happened, uh, where it's going, you know, and and where it's going to be in five or ten years, and 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 the disparity in revenue that, you know, now that the Pac-12 basically all they can say, Larry Scott said, the other day at the media days was, we'll have enough resources. You can't, you know, they're not talking dollars anymore. Uh, they only wanted to talk dollars when they got that, uh, you know, first ever conference, you know, contract when everybody started renegotiating and they got the first, first bite of the apple. But since then, you haven't heard any dollar talk from the Pac-12 since they've got people just running by them in these other conferences. And, uh, I think that's the first thing if I were then, uh, would be to sit down with Max and say, here's the dollar numbers. And we really need to get the other presidents in the league 
to understand how much income has uh, has been lost and how I mean USC for example we understand decided against softball and for uh, women's lacrosse because it was an East Coast sport and it would get USC uh, exposure along the East Coast and I'm thinking well if that's part of your decision as to what new sports to add how big a decision ought it be you know when you've got a a, a conference uh, network you know that is getting it gets into 12 million homes and the big you know the big 10 against which the pac 12 has always measured itself is in more than 60 million homes i mean it's just you know if you really care about having usc uh the name out there and then a national university that that it obviously is but that you could take advantage as much as possible you have to be uh, you know, incorporating that into all of his uh, dealings, I think, uh, Lynn Swan's dealings with uh, with uh, uh, President Nikias. And I think it ought to be into a big part of Lynn Swan's dealings with all the other athletic directors. And, and I'd love to see USC take the lead there in terms of uh, we got to, you know, take a look at uh, where we've been, how we got there, and where we have to go very quickly because they're just uh they're just getting run run past by uh by the other schools uh sc made wrote in as well he said i really enjoyed the podcast last week dan does a great job highlighting the flaws and subpar performance of the pac-12 and larry scott he has proven to be a stubborn ceo who drinks his own kool-aid and refuses to see the writing on the wall by the way i'll jump in there okay i'm hearing that is exactly the case from people inside the Pac-12 that that when you have a meeting with uh, with the big boss, there aren't any other, uh, he's not asking for other people's opinions or really all that interested in uh, well, what if we did this or what if we do that? So, uh, and, and that people inside are, you're hearing that or people that have meetings with the Pac-12 are saying it just doesn't seem like they want to listen to anybody else. That they, they, you know, kind of circled the wagons and uh, they know they're probably not on the right path. But uh, but good observation. I'll, I'll I'll let Ryan jump back in there. Yeah. So he has a few questions, and uh, you know we kind of talked about this a little bit. But what are your thoughts on USC going independent? How hard would it be? to have USC and Notre Dame on NBC with the TV contract? And how hard would it be for USC to have a Big 12 relationship similar to Notre Dame and with the ACC for scheduling? Um, and then who would drive the movement? The Boosters, Max Nikias, Lynn Swan? Uh, after the way the conference treated SC during the sanctions and now with Larry leading this conference to irrelevance, I would be open to a change. Thanks, guys, and love the podcast SC made. So he's more about the independent aspect, Dan. That's interesting. I when you raise the possibility of could <clears throat> could SC USC a, approach NBC and say, okay, you know Notre Dame and USC, the historic you know intersectional rivals, the greatest intersectional rivalry. What if we gave you a second school that you could have? You would have a two-team NBC relationship. Uh, where you, you could have, you know, Notre Dame play the earlier game and USC play the later game. Interesting. Uh, and I think Notre Dame has done the re- really good thing by affiliating with the, uh, 
ACC and all their other sports, which wasn't the way you thought it was going to go. You know, thought they would do that with the Big Ten, but I don't think the Big Ten was open to that. And the ACC, I think, very wisely said, we'll take you for, <clears throat> you know, you can play like a half schedule in football, <clears throat> and we'll take you for the other sports. Uh, I'm not sure how USC would pull that off uh, just because, uh, Notre Dame had their choice basically of, you know, the ACC, the Big Ten, or the Big 12. USC really doesn't have another choice where you could say, well, to the Pac-12, could we keep all the rest of our sports in the Pac-12 the way Notre Dame does in football? One would think that might not be as acceptable to the Pac-12. However, the opportunity to play in LA where the rest of the Pac-12 schools recruit from so much in Southern California, uh, who knows uh, if that would be uh, viable. Uh, obviously, you'd have to set up a deal where, um, you know, you had a deal with the network like an NBC where they, and would NBC be willing, would Notre Dame, you know, jump up and down and say, no, 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 we want the exclusivity or do they in their contract have an exclusivity? But again, the kinds of things you might want to explore and see is, is this doable? Now, the USC, you know, Pac-12 deal is that, uh, uh, they have signed away all their rights, all their TV rights, uh, until 2024, 25. That was the deal when the, when the Pac-12 schools went together on that first contract was that if you leave, we keep all your rights. So if you sign a new deal, you know, tomorrow with NBC, the Pac-12 would be coming for that money. Now, I think, as John Wilner pointed out last week, that's never exactly happened before, and teams have switched conferences, and they have left, and they have, you know, talked badly to one another about, you know, what, what exactly would happen. I don't know what would happen in terms of uh, how would uh, – how would the Pac-12 enforce that? How would they, if USC signed a new deal with NBC, an independent deal with NBC, how would the Pac-12 get their hands on that money? And how much would that cost the, you know, for example, with the current TV deals, if USC left the Pac-12, how quickly would ESPN and Fox want to renegotiate and ABC want to renegotiate those deals if USC was no longer in the Pac-12? Uh, I mean, there's just so many, uh, you know, ramifications from, from all of these things. But, uh, but I, I'm glad, you know, people were thinking some of these thoughts, which I think USC should absolutely be thinking and, and, and looking at and, uh, seriously considering how do they best do what's best for USC? How do they do what's best for USC? I think has to be, you know, the consideration at this point. And Eric and Duck Country had a kind of a follow-up to that. Uh, they talked about the independent route with SC made. If USC went independent, is there a limit in the number of games that could be scheduled? It seems the problem Notre Dame has is they don't have a conference championship to boost them into the college football playoff. If USC were independent, they should play 12 games. Then if there isn't a rule about uh, this, then SC Notre Dame could be played on championship weekend. It would be ideal to play. It wouldn't be ideal to play in South Bend in December every other year. But wouldn't that be great? Thanks for everything you guys do, Eric and Duck Country. Man, Eric, you guys are thinking some good thoughts. That would be 
that, you know, to kind of make that, you know, the preliminary playoff game. Uh, wow, that's an interest. See, now that, if you presented that to NBC and say, you know, we'll go in with, with Notre Dame uh, and, in effect, we'll work this out. So, now, whether you, you know, in terms of Notre Dame, would you play them at a neutral You know, could you play them at Lucas Oil Stadium in December every other year? Play them indoors, you know. Uh, I would think that would be a real possibility. Uh, uh, but, wow. Although I'd, I'd miss the, uh, I'd miss the mid, mid-October game. I mean, that's usually the last really nice weekend in the fall in, in, you know, my home in the Midwest. Uh, and, uh, I always love that weekend. But again, things are going to change in college football. It's, it's not even a question of, you know, you really think that, no, they are. It's not any, you know, it's a matter of, do you, as USC, do you get yourself to a place where you can be part of that change in terms of, you know, directing it and pushing it, and you know, instead of being part of the Pac-12, which is really fighting, you know, a rear guard action. I know they like to brag about, you know, with the certainly the, you know, the best academics of any major conference, I mean, without any question. They have four, four top 25 academic uh, programs in the, in the United States. Uh, I don't, the FCC... Depending on how you count Vanderbilt, maybe has one, maybe two top 50, where the, you know, the Pac-12 is so much, you know, I guess ACC would be second. But nobody compares academically, nobody has the kinds of, you know, towns, the kinds of alumni, all the things that the Pac-12's got going for it. But right now, it's fighting a, a rear guard action in terms of, uh, you know, and it had a head start. I mean, the Pac-12 has gone from the head of the Pac, uh, you know, six, seven years ago to, you know, barely, uh, holding on to, you know, the fourth spot out of five conferences and maybe not for long there. So, uh, something has to happen and, uh, they got to start thinking the kind of thoughts you guys are thinking. Yeah. Some great, I thought some great thoughts on the, the conference woes of the Pac 12. Uh, I don't want to make that a theme all the time, but we've just had a lot of questions about it. So I want to address that. Let's go. We got another voicemail question. Uh, here you go, Dan. This is Steve from Orange County, and this is for Ryan or Dan. You guys are great. I look forward to all your podcasts. My question is this. Hearing how Jack Jones has done really well so far, and remembering hearing the same thing about Iman Marshall this time last year, which would you say was farther along at the same point in their career as a Trojan? My second question is, is there any chance that Jack Jones gets some of the touches that went to Adore last year? Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Fight on. Well, I think Jack might get, you know, some of those offensive touches. They, they, there are a lot of people there that are, you know, going to be competing for those uh, those offensive touches. We do see him jump in there on offense uh, every once in a while, and he can get from here to there. And, you know, sideways. And I mean, there are some things he does better than Adore. And, and you don't say that lightly. Uh, but he's got some, uh, acceleration and some, uh, you know, lateral quickness that, uh, pretty spectacular. Um, in terms of, uh, boom, 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 uh, Jack and I'm on. Hmm. I think. Probably Jack has got a better shot just because I think they're going to play more to his strength. And I think the coaching, he, he's going to get, I like the way they're coaching up the man, for example, and they're 
they're gearing gearing it to what each kid does well, and they're 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 making it more of an individual thing. And I just don't think they taught men well at all. They didn't really, you know, they didn't commit to it. They were a little afraid of it and all that. So I think I'm was more on his own last year a little bit. Uh, and, and I don't think that's going to quite be the case with Jack. So, you know, from that standpoint, they're two pretty different kinds of players. I mean, for two cornerbacks that, you know, came out of the same program and all that, they're about as different physically, you know, as you could, you know, expect uh, a couple of guys to be. You know, I'm on more of a, you know, a 200 pounds and kind of a, you know, pretty developed upper body and, you know, there are people who, you know, look at him and say, man, safety. And kind of a, you know, a, a, a guy with a, you know, kind of a straight ahead, uh, pounder sort of a guy and a, and a, just a, you know, real head down, hard work, whatever. Where Jack, Jack is, is just that kind of, got that kind of water bug quality where he can go from here to there to here to there and, um, you know, back and forth just terrifically quickly. So, uh, uh, I don't know that you, you compare them that way exactly. They're really different, uh, you know, different kind of uh, different kind of players. But uh, but that's fun to have. I mean, there are only three five-star secondary players in the Pac-12 that came out of high school as five-star prospects. <laughs> All three of them are at USC with uh, Adore and Jack Jones and, and Iman are the only three five-stars in the whole league in the secondary. So uh, it's uh, it's nice to be able to compare one against the other. All right. Uh, let's move on to Tarek. He always has the uh, concise questions. He wants to know, do you think Osa Messina, or do you like Osa Messina better as a Will or a Sam linebacker? Oh, a Will. I think he's, I really like his, his, his lateral quickness, his ability to run to the sidelines. Uh, I just like to see him. I think, I think I look at Cameron Smith and say there's a, you know, there's a, <clears throat> you know, the Sam, <clears throat> a Sam. And I look at Osa and Osa looks like a Will. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Irvin wants to know what freshman are you really going to be keeping an eye on during fall camp? Huh. It's interesting because we always think of freshmen now as it's sort of a, 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 a two division freshman, you know, deal. It's the freshman who came in in the, uh, in the spring and then the freshman who got here in the summer. I don't think you cannot not look at, at Jack Jones. Uh, as we saw the other day, we got our first real glimpse of, of both Ty Young and Vilas Jones. Uh, in terms of just some things they could do. And Vilas got a flanker reverse and turned it upfield and you thought, whoa, okay, that's the, that's the speed you saw on film. Or with Pi and, you know, three straight, you know, knockdowns on, uh, you know, in, uh, I don't know, seven on seven. I think it was seven on seven. And, uh, where he showed, you know, all the things we've heard about him. Uh, so, uh, you like those, but then, uh, uh, I think the the one O lineman, you know, that that we haven't gotten to see a lot of is uh, you know, the kid from Georgia, uh uh, uh, pri- uh the price kid from Georgia, uh 
He's what, 6'6", 325. And it wouldn't be terribly surprising if he didn't work his way. I mean, they've got a 10 man too deep now, but I, I don't think anybody would be terribly surprised if he maybe ended up in that, you know, 10 man, that 10 man too deep group. Uh, I think, uh, the linebacker Jordan Asefa and, um, he's shown you some things he can do. He's got a burst. He's got a decent, he's got decent size. He looks like, uh, there, there'll be a place for him. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think this is a team where those guys have to come through, but, you know, last year we said kind of the same thing and we saw, you know, what a Cameron Smith did and uh, what Imon did. And, uh, as far as you'll notice, I'd probably, they've got a lot of good wide receivers, but, I'm not, you're not mentioning any of them as good as they've looked, uh, and as many nice things as they've done in the summer. It's just because there's not the, the sense that, you know, they need them with five, you know, five, basically five seniors or five guys that you think won't be there next year, uh, that for the five coming in, that, that this year doesn't have to be their year and that they, you know, get bigger, stronger, learn everything. And then, uh, are ready to go next year. So that's kind of probably where I'm looking at, 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 at these guys this year. All right. Uh, speaking of freshmen, JB wrote in. He said, thanks for the great show. Keep up the good work. Uh, Trayvon Sidney. I've been watching a lot of him on film on the internet. His hands are awesome. Plus I'm watching his footwork in the drills. He really seems to have some quick feet and loose hips. Has anyone ever thought about trying this kid at cornerback? Uh, has he ever played the position before? Thanks. Fight on from JB. You know, I don't know. That's, uh, I think when we see the, the highlight video and all that, when, uh, you know, at least when I do, uh, you see all the offensive stuff. So I don't, that might be a, a, a question better for GM. Uh, I know this. He, T. Martin was saying he's really pleased with, uh, with Trevon just because he thinks he's added about 15 pounds, uh, since high school and that he really looks like a different kid. And, and he, he, you can't not, not see what he's doing out there, but he does look like he belongs. And, and I'm guessing that, you know, in high school last year, he might have been a little undersized to be able to make that transition, uh, immediately. But, uh, but he's one of the real surprises in terms of, you know, he really, he does look like he belongs. He doesn't look like that you know, kind of smallish high school kid. Um, and you're right, he's got, he got really, really quick feet. And the weight he put on is, is clearly good weight. He hasn't, he hasn't lost any of, uh, any of his quickness. I mean, I, I think he's looking better now than, than I remember seeing him, you know, on his high school video. He, uh, he's been really impressive. The, um, yeah, I got to, I didn't go to any of his high school games, actually. I, I realized that. Like, I didn't go to any Bishop of Mott games, but I, I saw him a ton, uh, in the seven on seven circuit. So there he was, he was only playing, uh, wide receiver. Um, I believe he did do some, some DB work, but I, I can check with Gerard on that to kind of make sure. And that's, that's something Gerard and I had actually talked about as well as him doing. But I mean, his hands are so good. I just, I kind of tend to think you might want to keep him. Uh, on the offensive side of the football, but you know, we'll see. He's just, he makes a lot of spectacular catches. And I think you want to make sure he's able to do that, not just, and we're seeing it now 
We're seeing it during the seven on seven stuff, which he really kicked, you know, he did so well at that in high school. I put up, I think it was like a three minute video of all he did was do one handed catches. Like that's, I just filmed it over basically three minutes. Like he was just catching passes one handed, like all different ways. And I just was filming it and it was crazy at one of these tournaments. Um, but the, the thing is going to be, can he do those kind of things and make those kind of tough catches with pads on going over the middle with safeties bearing down on you? So that'll be the big sort of question, I guess you could say, but I, I kind of see him staying on offense, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Uh, you know, it's not like they don't have, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's the thing right now. I think we've been so used to, well, can we do this with this guy or this with that guy because of the number situation? But when you look at either the wide receiver or the DB position, you don't really get the sense that, oh, man, we just don't have enough numbers there. Uh, I just don't think that's the case anymore. <clears throat> uh, you know, maybe the DBs don't quite have, have quite the numbers that uh, the, the wide receivers do, but it's close. And uh, you just don't get a sense of they're going to run out of bodies and they've you know, got to make that, uh, make that move. Uh, Levi Richard wrote in, Dan, and um, this was kind of about when uh, Coach Harvey Hyde complains about this, I think more than you do on the podcast. I don't know if you've talked about this, but when Coach goes down to football practice, he hates that the media is in this little pen and there's people standing in front of you. You can't really see, see much of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, none of us really like that, but this is kind of where Levi's coming from. He says, now that fall camp is about to open, I was wondering why the media may not, and he said in parentheses, unless the rule has changed, be allowed to have a clear view of practice. Is this an NCAA rule or a USC rule? If it is a USC rule, uh, is it based on a fear that someone might publish information that USC does not want in the public domain, or is it because they don't want a quote-unquote certain type of person to have access to the players? I may not always agree with uh, the coach, but I always enjoy hearing his opinions because they're honest, clear, and unbiased. He's a true professional. Thanks for taking my question. I really enjoy the show. Levi Richard, he's a DBA uh, business professor. So thanks, Levi. Professor Levi, thank you for that. Hey, Levi. Well, if it were Levi's stadium, uh, we'd be really in good shape, I guess. Uh, <laughs> now, I think the reason that, that we're given is uh, they want they want to allow the uh, recruits to have full run kind of on the other side and on the uh, the area in between uh, the stadium, in between the Brian Kennedy Field and uh, Howard Jones Field. And because of some interaction between one media member and a parent of a former player who was suing USC, they decided we couldn't be where the parents were because if we, if the parents and the uh, media had the ability to uh, walk up and down as we did for a number of years on the same sideline, we might horror of horrors stop and talk to a parent. And there were times when, you know, there were parents who would come and they weren't very happy uh, with the previous coach and would uh, let him know that. And they didn't really want any of us talking to any of the parents. So then eventually they made the rule, you can't talk to any parents. Uh, but then to make sure we didn't talk to any parents, they put us at one end. They basically divided the field where the gate is, the hard and uh, the goo gate. And the problem there is the goo gates at like the what, 15 yard line? Yeah. 
So <laughs> we get the 15 yards to the end zone, and then we're cut off there because that's where the uh, the, the uh, recruits come in on the other side of the field, and then we're cut off, uh, you know, from going any farther past the 15 or so because the parents are there. So it's more a combination of those kinds of things than it is of us seeing something or reporting something that they don't want us to see or report. Actually, they they understand because I think, you know, people made it clear enough, if we're there, you can't ask us not to report, uh, you know, what we're, what we see if we're there. I know other schools do that and say, you can come, but you can't report, uh, certain things. And I think most of those, the media says, no, we, if we're going to be there, you can't ask us not to re- report what we see. So yes, USC's been good that way. And USC's been good about, mostly about talking to players they you know they may not expend themselves completely to track down all the players that you would like to ask them to stop and it is a little difficult at times if all 100 players leave at once and you've asked for three and they leave at different times in different places and you can't you know you can't always track them down yourself and you really do need to you know some USC help to do that. You don't always get it, but it's not the worst relationship in the world. But uh, but there are these other things that are going on that that make it look like you're you know you know in a pen where you don't have as much ability to see what's going on as as you'd like. I mean, I think there are some of us who would say, put us on top of the uh, the baseball building over there. Uh, and we can watch all of the practice on both fields. And we won't interact with any parents, and we won't interact with any recruits, and yet that's never happened. That wouldn't be a really bad idea, to be honest, but uh, that doesn't seem to have ever come to a uh, you know a serious uh, point of discussion. Yeah, and for people that haven't been out there, I mean, it's a, I think it was a great description by Dan, Um it it's not that you can't you're not blocked from seeing like okay you're not allowed to watch the offensive linemen there's not something like that they're not keeping that from you it's just the defensive linemen are usually far away in the the back corner of Brian Kennedy Field the offensive linemen are are really far away where they do a lot of rehab stuff on on the outside of Howard Jones where uh, next to the the pool like really far away from where you're so most of the things that are happening are far away from you and and we can, you know, we're allowed to film the beginning part of practice, mostly stretching and kind of stuff. But a lot of times they're so far away, you can't really get much. Or if you're trying to take photos of practice, everyone's far away. Uh, maybe you get the linebackers every day. That's who you can see well. So you have a lot of great pictures of linebackers. But to get a good picture of an offensive lineman is almost impossible because they're never coming close to you. And there's, and like coach was saying, uh, there's a lot of times that they'll have people standing in your way. Uh, and a lot of the recruits that they were letting in, they were kind of giving them free reign so they could walk around our pen. And it's just kind of obstructive view. It's just, it's a weird situation overall. And, uh, you know, t- the, the fact that you're not allowed to mingle with this group and this, this group can't mingle with that group. It just, it doesn't happen like that a lot of other schools. But I mean, and to be fair, a lot of other schools would have practice closed. You can't watch at all. So uh, it's certainly better than having everything closed and not being able to watch anything. It yeah. gives you a better yeah, idea I'll, of what I'll say questions. this on that point. Uh, I had, you know, a guy I knew pretty well who was, who was all excited. He, uh, 
he got the Ohio State beat for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, moved to Columbus, what have you. And one, one year, he got to see 20 minutes of practice the entire season. Uh, you know, he's living in, or he's, you know, working for a Cleveland paper, living in Columbus, and gets to watch him 20 minutes for the entire year. So we have it far, far better. I mean, at Alabama, I think they arrest you if you show up within the block, within a block of the stadium with a camera. You know, I mean, you know, so USC is far better off than those places. It is one of the frustrating things. We get to see the quarterbacks really well. We get to see the linebackers, like you said, the DBs and the wide receivers. We get to see them. What we don't get to see, and this is like we had to take it, you know, uh, for the, uh, the, the player's word about when the offensive linemen go against the defensive linemen, one-on-ones, half-line, all that kind of stuff, two-on-two, we really can't see it well enough to tell you how it's going, who's doing what. I mean, you really have to take their word for, you know, how this went. And, and as important as that is, it would be nice to be able, you know, to have more of a, a sense of, of how that's going. And they really are – a, far enough away in both corners, and B, they're blocked uh, to some extent by all kinds of things. And so we're really flying blind uh, when we're talking about the line, uh, the line drills. And Dad, do you know? I, you know, I didn't look at this in the the media guide. Are they going to have Are they going to have open practices for fall? Or will fans be able to attend? Or has that not been announced? Yes, the practices are open <clears throat> until they get to game week, <clears throat> and I mean. Uh, before the Alabama game, actually they're having two game weeks. So, you know, they, um, so the last two weeks will not be open, but the first two weeks will. So when they start, they're going to do a kind of like a, a practice game week and then a real game week. <clears throat> so the last week of August and that first week of, you know, last few days of August, first week of September, uh, no, no attendance by fans. But the first two weeks, uh, fans are able to attend as always. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of a weird situation. So if you go to practice, you go through the goo gate, you have to go to the right, the media has to go to the left. We see people that we know from the site or just from wherever, they're podcast fans or they, they know who we are, they want to come say hello. Parents the same way that we've known through the recruiting process want to come talk to us, and there's always security people telling, like, that's not allowed to happen. So it's just kind of a weird thing that they set up. And then those people, if they want, can go up on top of the um, uh, baseball building. Yeah, you can watch it from there. And they can watch, for example, the line far better than we can. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so there are some some rough spots that you'd like to see worked out, but. All right. Well, we got one last question. Uh, Terry and wrote in. He says, Dan, what is the status of the NCAA lawsuit? Were depositions supposed to have begun this year? They are. And, uh, something happened today that I don't know if I'm exactly when I'm going to be able to tell you about it by the war room for sure. But Ooh. yeah, it, it kind of hit a, <clears throat> A flat spot, uh, just kind of full stop. Stuff was going on, but not publicly. Uh, so something, by the end of the day, I think will have happened, and maybe one or two other things that will be able to give you some ex- exact guidance as to when the next, uh, you know, 
shoe is going to drop or when the next thing is going to happen and why it hit this uh, this flat spot in, in terms of the proceedings. But, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing publicly has happened with the case, but some stuff has been going on underneath, uh, you know, uh, very quietly. Oh. And uh, I'll, uh, by the end of the week, uh, we should be able to, to tell you what's going on. But uh, as in everything else about this case, it isn't moving it faster, but it's kind of interesting as to as to what's happening here. But uh, but stuff is happening, um, and I think I might be able to tell you this: the NCAA has hired two really big time Washington attorneys. One of whom, her last case, she was in the news a couple of weeks ago. She's handling the Clinton staff depositions on the emails case. She's the attorney by the name of Beth Wilkinson. She's married to David Gregory. If you remember David Gregory, the host of Meet the Press, well, his wife is a big, big time, high powered Washington lawyer. And she's the one that would go to the depositions when the, uh, uh, people that are suing for the Clinton emails and suing for all of the, her associates' emails and when they're getting deposed. And she's the one that advised uh, one of those associates, I think, to take the Fifth Amendment 125 times the other day. Well, what that means, it would seem, is that the NCAA realizes this thing is going to trial, and they better have some really high-powered people ready to handle their case. That's my interpretation, whether that's the correct interpretation or not. All we know is the NCAA has decided they – I mean, I can't imagine what this firm is going to cost the NCAA to handle this case in Los Angeles. But um, but that's one thing that's going on. Wow. So I think – yeah. So, so you guys have have the scoop here. Nice, uh, that's scoop. part of that's part of the scoop. Anyway, yeah. So Dan dropping some scoop and an a war room tease Friday morning. Make sure you check it out on uscfootball.com early Friday morning. Uh, the war room, all the inside information on USC. If you're not a uscfootball.com subscriber, shame on you. You should be. But the war rooms are a great reason to do it, and that kind of stuff that Dan will be putting in there is one of the reasons why. So that's a nice war room tease, Dan. Great. Yeah. It, well, it, it teased me when I and I discovered it because the person that told me said, you know, well, I had seen it because it's listed on changes about the case, and you can find some of those where they just list the names or whatever. And I said, huh. And then I was talking to someone about it, and I said, wait a minute, that's the person who last week. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if you're handling the Clinton email case lawsuit. And the Todd McNair case, that's interesting if you put the Todd McNair case next to the Clinton emails case. Those are kind of high-profile deals when you think about it. <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, that's about as high-profile as you're going to get. Uh, potential future president of the United States, the lawyer that's handling that case, is yeah, also when, working when on they, it. When the, those people lawyered up, they went and got this this woman, and now the NCAA lawyers up. And they go and get her. So, and I, I, my guess would be 
if the NCA was paying attention to Bruce Broilette, the Santa Monica attorney who won more than $50 million in, NAS, in the Nashville lawsuit for Aaron Andrews a few months ago, that would get your attention if you're the NCAA when you say, hmm, that guy just beat the Nashville people for, in their hometown for more than 50. Um, obviously, they, they, were, they settled for less than that, but the jury gave them over $50 million. Uh, that would get your attention if you're the NCAA and you're involved in this lawsuit. So uh, it looks like they're realizing they better fight, you know, fire with fire. Well, great stuff, Dan. That's a nice, we had a good, I think, good beginning, good middle, good end. It was a really good show all around. Lots of great questions and lots of uh, great insights from you, Dan. Thanks for uh, coming on and sharing all those. Well, and, and thanks for the good questions, man. Nice job, you guys. Yeah, great questions, great suggestions about the network and stuff that USC could do. So we'll see if anyone in Heritage Hall or the, the McKay Center are listening. <laughs> Please listen. <laughs> we'll send them copies. If you have a you have a friend that works in the athletic department, we know a lot of them that listen to the show, but feel free to forward the Peristyle podcast over to them and tell them to listen. Uh, <laughs> a lot of good insights. And no charge. There. Yeah, no charge. Just, just yeah. take the advice and run with it. It's free. All right. Well, thanks, Dan, and uh, everyone else. Thanks for tuning in. want to thank our sponsor, Mac Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com. 20% off if you use the, the code Peristyle, the promo code Peristyle. So check it out. I've, I've tried it. I really love it. Hopefully you guys do, too. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, thanks for sending all those great questions in, and we will talk to you next time. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 